Thank you for tuning in. We trust you will feel encouraged, uplifted, and inspired to build God's kingdom with us. Enjoy the message. Spoke about we're going to speak about a year of plenty in the next couple of of uh, of, of services. And last week was a, year, a plenty of faith. Yeah, yes, the three of you listened to me. Last last week was a plenty of faith. Now listen, please don't start this thing now. I want plenty of faith so God can bless me. You know, I think let's be kingdom minded. I want plenty of faith so that the kingdom of God can expand. Uh, and, and that's the plenty of faith. Today I want to speak about having or gaining plenty of wisdom. And I'm going to give you some definitions and maybe start a little bit technically as I, as, as I, as I but, but I think you'll, you'll get my drift this morning as well. You know, the dictionary, the Webster dictionary, unabridged dictionary says this wisdom it defines it as knowledge and the capacity to make due use of it. And the second part is just as important as the, the first part, and I'll mention it a few times today as well. You see, wisdom is the ability to figure out what is right and then to achieve it or then to do it. It's not just good to, to figure out what is right or to have knowledge, because some of us think wisdom is simply gaining intelligence or knowledge or understanding even of a situation. But it's more than that. It is the ability to put into practice the knowledge that I've gained in such a way that common sense prevails. And if you look at your life and my life, there are some decisions where, where I look back and I say, man, if I just used the wisdom that was available to me, I would have had less scars on my mind and my heart, on my, not on my body as much, but on my inner being, if I just listened to wisdom. You see, wisdom you don't gain at school. Wisdom you don't go to varsity for. That is knowledge. We gain knowledge there. There is no textbook that teaches you about wisdom in school. You can go to a lecture on swimming. You can read books on swimming. You can, you can understand the buoyancy of water uh, uh, and from observation of other people swimming and so on and so on. But until you jump into the water and gain the experience of swimming, you have knowledge of swimming but not the wisdom of swimming. And when you get wisdom, you realize the difference between swimming and drowning. And by the looks of some of us, we need armbands because we've become a little bit bigger. Anyway, you know, we need some armbands when it comes to swimming. You see, experience, some people say, are or is the best teacher. We need to gain wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to make good judgment based on what you've learned from experience and to act upon it. John Piper, you may not agree with everything that John Piper says, but I love this whole, I listened to a couple of his uh, talks on wisdom, and, and he defines wisdom, and there's three things that he highlights in his, defini in his definition. Knowledge, insight, and resolve. And he puts this definition, when you read it the first time, you say, huh? And then you read it again and you understand what he actually means. He says, the greatest human wisdom is the factual knowledge and the situational insight and the necessary resolve that together have the greatest likelihood of success in achieving the attended righteous goal. Now, if I stop there now and say, let's go for coffee, you'll say, I've learned nothing, huh? What does he actually say? Let's put it in in story, in a story. And he himself highlights this story as well. And he says wisdom. Now remember three things about wisdom. Knowledge, insight, resolve. 
So he speaks and he says, a wise general will have factual knowledge about the battle he's about to enter into. So he gets knowledge about the terrain, the weather, the strength of the opposing army, where they are located, how he's going to fight them, the skills of his own troops as well, and the skills of his opposition. So he has factual knowledge of the war. But that alone is not going to help him. Then he gets, the next step he takes is before he engages in this battle is he gains situational insight. In other words, now he sends a couple of spies out and and a dude in the Bible did that as as well. Sends some spies out to get insight, to get uh, a situational insight. So he sends out his, his couple of spies and he says, see how they move. Watch what their strengths are. Go and check out and see who's moving from the left to the right or otherwise. So that when we actually take action, which is the third step, that we will hit them hard and win this battle. So the third step is he's, he's got to have the necessary, necessary resolve. He's got to be willing to take action if he wants to enter into that battle and win or beat the enemy. Knowing, and when he enters that battle, he's taking a risk. Because as he enters that battle, there is the potential of failure and the loss of lives and the loss of the battle. So there's risk that he is taking involving these decisions. Right, let's bring it a little bit closer to home. A doctor studies many years to become a doctor. Would you go to a doctor that after all these years of study and some of the practical knowledge that they've gained, if you sit down in his rooms and you say, doctor, I have a pain here, and it's not my wife. Uh, I have a pain here, and I want you to help me. I want you to diagnose this pain and give me a remedy. And the doctor looks at you and he says, I don't know. He said, but all the knowledge, doctor, surely you would know how to apply that knowledge into my situation and then help me to act on that knowledge to get healing. And the doctor says, no, no, sorry, doc, you know, that's not what I studied, man, you know, how how to apply this stuff. I just, I just know the stuff. Or if you had gone to your, to your, um, to your counselor. And your counselor has got all this great knowledge about how to do this and, and, and they've read books and they've got degrees and they're hanging there in the counselor's office and you know all this right stuff and, 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 and you go to the counselor and you, and you bring them your problem and your counselor looks at you and says, no, I don't know. I don't know what, what we're going to do. I don't know what, you know, you figure it out. You see, factual knowledge needs to translate into situational Insight needs to translate into the actual change, the action that needs to happen. What if you've gone to your pastor and you know that your pastor's got a degree in, or an honest degree in theology and he's, he's read a lot of books and saying, you say, pastor, I want to know the simplest thing possible. I want to give my life to Jesus and be saved. And your pastor says, no, no, you'll have to go to one of our counselors for that. I don't know how to do that. You won't come back to church, would you? All right, so I think I've sketched the picture here. Is we need wisdom is having factual knowledge, situational insight, how to apply that knowledge, and then the actual resolve to do it. Then you have wisdom. That is wisdom. So I wanted to help you out with a definition here. So here's the combination, as I've said a few, few times on the board there as well. Now, there's, there's a guy in the Bible, his name is Solomon. 
You've read about him, you know, I've read some of his books as well. Solomon is said uh, to be the wisest man that has ever lived and will ever live apart from Jesus, because Jesus obviously uh, outshines him a lot as the Son of God, okay? So, so Solomon is now being appointed as the king, and, and God comes and speaks to Solomon. He really likes Solomon. And he comes to Solomon, he says, Solomon, my boy, you ask me anything that you want, anything under the sun. Now let's pause there. What would you ask? Don't be super spiritual. Oh God, this bond. The school fees. It's just too much. The the car payments. But you know, Lord, I've got to look after my retirement a little bit here. So an extra bit of cash input there would be real. A lot will be around meeting my physical needs, won't it? Or if I'm healing, that would be second on my list. Money and then healing. All right? And he says to Solomon, Solomon, ask me anything you want. Solomon looks at God and he says, God... Give me wisdom to govern these people. And God is so impressed with Solomon. He says, Solomon, you didn't ask for riches. You didn't ask for fame. You didn't ask for health. Now, on top of that, I am going to give you everything that you did not ask for as well. You know, when I was a young preacher, I read this first. And then I said, you know, I'm going to be clever because I've just read it. I'm just going to ask God for wisdom and hope he adds the rest as well, you know. I'm still waiting. But anyway, I thought, uh, I thought uh, you know. So here's Solomon. He writes a lot of the wisdom literature in the Bible. And I'm going to mention a couple of those verses uh, regarding wisdom to us this morning. But let's start by asking us, what is the beginning and the end of wisdom? I think you know what verse I'm going to. The beginning and the end of wisdom is found in Proverbs, a writing from Solomon 9 verse 10 that says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom begins. Wisdom ends with the fear of God. You know, and it's not a fear of being struck by God. It's not a fear of running into a truck or a truck running into you or or being struck by lightning. That's not the kind of fear that I'm talking about, as you know, when we speak about the fear of the Lord. When we speak about the fear of the Lord, I think reverence does somehow have a little bit of, whoo, I am a bit scared of this big God. I think it has a bit of that. But when the Bible speaks about fear of the Lord, it speaks about that deep, abiding, holy reverence and respect for the Lord and for His Word. And for His Word. That's His spoken Word. You see, the book of Proverbs says a lot about wisdom. But I want us to start here in the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You see, I have found out in my life where there is fear stroke respect, there normally is quite a high level of obedience. Let's test it. How many of you have ever been stopped by a traffic cop? Now, don't look and don't mention all the videos now that you've said about the, you know, or stuff like that. You've been stopped by a traffic cop. Only one person put your hand up. The rest of you are law-abiding citizens. You know, it's fantastic. It's amazing. All right. So, so you stop by the cop. Why do you say things? You know, you say the things you do to them. You know, sometimes we rattle off things and we think afterwards, yes, it was a bit stupid. How's it, sir? You know, nice day. And, and you know, I like your hat. And, and, and it's all just base. Uh, you know, uh, can you borrow my, can, can I lend your pen? You know, uh, you know uh, stupid stuff you tell the traffic cop, you know. And, and because there's a level of fear there. But one person pulls you off in a car that can flatten him. But when that little glove goes up, you park off. And it doesn't mean, it doesn't matter how big or how small the, those traffic cops are, as you stop, buddy, because there's a sense of fear. Fear, reverence, 
bring a level of obedience. I have, I've mentioned that before, but I must mention this again. You know, I, my kids, I was an authoritarian dad, and I'm not ashamed to say this, until my kids were about uh, entering their teenage years, and I became a little slightly different dad. But when I said something, it, it was law. That was it, you know. And, and you get a hiding if you disobey me with a wooden spoon on your rear end because the burning sensation here fixes the brain. It just shoo, put those cells in place. Like, you know, yes, dad, yes, dad. Now, now Carissa in particular... Um, you know, used to cry even before I get the wooden spoon out, you know. But, but you know what? And then, and then I thought in public, I can't just go and beat them up, you know, like, take out the bathroom and smack their bottoms and so on. But I had this glare. I mentioned this before and I would go. And it worked for a while. My daughter was about 16 or 17 and we were somewhere and I tried this glare. And then she went back to me. <laughs> I said, okay, Lord, give me wisdom for the next step now. I, uh, it's not working, it's not working, okay, so uh, anyway, so where there is fear or respect, there's a level of obedience, the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, that's where you've got to start if you want to be wise, when he says it, we say, yes sir, I will do it, you the boss, you in charge. You see, what does wisdom require of me is another question I want to ask you this morning. Wisdom does not come without knowledge. So you have to have knowledge in order to gain wisdom. But the other part of wisdom that is so very, very important before it becomes wisdom is actions. So uh, you can have wisdom, you can have insight, you can have all this stuff, but unless you actually act on it, you don't have wisdom. That's what the Bible says. It's a combo of things. So what, what I've worked out in my life is that acts of wisdom requires a measure of courage. A measure of courage. I have got to stop being lazy and putting fear out of my mind and do it. Remember the first time you bought a house, you were young and you took out this, you, you went for a bond application and when you even put the offer in, you were so worried that things would go wrong. It's the first time you buy this house, you and your wife are so excited, but yes, you're also so scared. Will we be able to afford it? Is this going to work? And, and, and maybe God, stop it if it's not your will. And we pray all those kind of prayers, but we put the offer in. You see, and we would it have worked if you had all the info and your tech, your paycheck, all is enough, your expenses are okay, you can afford it. And you say, all right, we can afford this. And 20 years later, you still haven't bought the house. That's not wisdom, you see. Once you've got the facts, the insightful knowledge, you've got to act. This book unless it's acted out, it's still not helpful to you and me. And we're still stupid instead of wise when we don't act this book out. That's what I'm saying to you. You see, wisdom requires courage to act. And I'll come back to this in a moment because sometimes God expects me to do stuff um, and that, that requirement doesn't look like it's logical sometimes. God says, believe in my son and be saved. Your mind says, he's a man or is he? How can God who created everything come down here? 
And your logic tries to say, oh, you know, and God says, no, this is the way to salvation. You've got to believe what I'm telling you in this book. You see? And so, so it, it requires an act to say, I believe. I'm, I'm, I'm handing over. I believe. Wisdom, what does it offer me? You know, we're living in an age where, you know, I, I want something out of everything that I give in, you know. So, so what is in it for me? What is in it for me? You know, and I'm glad you're asking that question. And I want to tell you that God never fails, my friend. God never fails. We have the greatest potential to reach success because God does not miss the mark. Now, I know what we're thinking, and I say that often when it comes to success, but uh, I'll come back to that in a moment. Uh, the wisdom of God, His general knowledge, and that gives me security, His situational insight, His ability to act gives me peace because God achieves His intended goals. Not necessarily mine, but His goals. He does achieve. There is no power in the universe, my friend, that can stop his people from reaching wisdom if we tap in there. And in the end, I'll tell you what the end goal of wisdom is. It's much more than here. He generously gives wisdom to us. That is in his plan. We can be the wisest people, I believe, on the planet because we have the word of God and we have the spirit of God. We can be. James chapter 1 verse, uh, verse 5 says this, If any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God, because God has got some favorites and will give a portion to them, or maybe a much bigger portion to them, and just a little bit to you, because you, you're sort of not his favorite. No, this is what it actually says. It says, If any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God, who generously gives to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Lord, I need wisdom. And God says, I'll give it to you and I'll generously give it to you. I don't, I'm not going to find fault. I will give you my wisdom. You see, God hasn't got favorites when it comes to sharing his, his wisdom. I don't believe God wants you to fail. Those are my choices. Those are not God's choices for my life. Those are my choices because I, I make some stupid decisions. And I'm sure you'll say yes, and so have I, Rulof, if you're not so super spiritual uh, on me this morning. We've made some stupid decisions, isn't it? Don't you look back and say, oh, man, I shouldn't have done that. That was stupid. That was insane, some of them. I believe God wants us to succeed, and in order to succeed, we need His wisdom. You know, here's the reality. Not all of us have got all wisdom. You may have wisdom in certain areas of your life, but not wisdom in other areas of your life. So when we speak about gaining wisdom, we're speaking to everyone here this morning because not all of us are all wise in every decision. You may have wisdom uh, and demonstrate it in your business and you're very successful in your business, but you may have poor wisdom when it comes to your marriage and your family life. You may have great wisdom and demonstrate it in the use of your finances, but you may have poor wisdom in the use of your tongue. So all of us have got to go on our knees daily and say, God, give me wisdom. 
I believe that we will have fewer dead ends in our lives. We will have fewer failures in our lives if we apply the wisdom of God more on a more regular basis. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5 to 7 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He may direct your paths. No, it says He shall direct your paths. Uh, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. My friend, one thing that I've worked out about God is He is all wise. Even human beings, the greatest human being, who may in your mind, in my mind, have all the factual knowledge and the, and the uh, situational insight and have all the energy to the resolve to act and to do stuff, well, God will sometimes frustrate those plans because it's not in His plan. You remember the story in the Bible about the Tower of Babel? Oh, yes, they had all the factual knowledge how to build. They all spoke the same language. They're going to build a staircase to heaven. Isn't there a song like that somewhere? I don't know who's singing it, the Beatles or the, some Eatles. Uh, you know, they, and a staircase to, and God looks down and he says, no, that's not my plan. That's, I'm going to frustrate your wisdom, situational insight, and your result. I'll frustrate it. That's not my plan. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. And sometimes I look back over my life and I think, Rulof, you're a stupid idiot. You made a wrong decision here. And sometimes when I don't have the answer, I'm looking back and I say, is it not maybe that the all-knowing, wise God frustrated my plans here for a reason? For my protection, for my good, or for my growth? That happens from time to time as well. You see, we fail. God doesn't. God doesn't. He cannot. He doesn't fail. My problem is I don't always lean on His wisdom and on His spirit. So I make some fleshly decisions. I have some a list of fleshly reactions, responses, apart from what God actually wanted me to do. Romans chapter 11 verse 33, listen to, to, to the writer here. He is so excited about the wisdom of God and that really, really just gets me excited as well. Listen to what he says. Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgment and the paths beyond tracing out. I, I don't know the ways of God. They are amazing, he says. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Of who, who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and for him all things are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. He's the wise one. He knows everything. I need to depend more and tap more on the wisdom of God if I'm looking after my happiness and the success because God has ordained that no power, listen to me, and then I'm gonna go into my second point or my, my next point because some of you will think that I'm saying that I can reach everything I want and be a little godly on this earth. I'm not saying that. I think we are unfortunately full of failure, mistakes, and stuff on this side of the grave and we, and we just gotta rely as best we can on the wisdom of God. But I believe that if we tap into the wisdom of God, we can attain happiness and success. And I'll tell you in a moment what I'm aiming for rather than all the happiness and success and the focus here on this earth. You see, because God has ordained that no power in this universe can keep the redeemed people acting in the spirit-given wisdom from attaining full and everlasting happiness in his presence, there is a future waiting for you. There is a future waiting for you. And there is full happiness, absolute joy, 
You see, here, with the decisions I made because of a lack of, of, of wisdom, with a lack of reliance, with a lack of consistency in my life, I am going to make some mistakes, but the wisdom of God will not be frustrated because 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7 says, we impart, the preacher says, we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. There is a future glory coming that I'm hanging on to more than the riches of this world and the well-being in this world. That divine plan cannot fail. And that gives me security as a believer. Stuff here can go wrong. My prayers may not be answered and I don't know why. And I don't, and I don't always like it. But you know what? There's something that God has prepared that will not fail. And that is the eternal glory. That I am a million times secure about. That new birth, as I walk on this narrow road to eternity, the end cannot fail. You see, because wisdom offers me success, true, but greater wisdom, wisdom has a greater goal in mind than just success here on earth and happiness here on earth that is tainted by sin and other people's sin as well. And, and like I said, just before you think, I think perfection is, is we're able, we, I don't think we can. I think we can make a lot more wiser decisions that could bring a lot more happiness into our lives. But the emphasis here in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15 as well says, the writings of the scripture, the sacred writings, are able to make you wise for what? For salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. In other words, there is something future. There is a salvation happening but waiting for me. Notice how, how wisdom functions. Wisdom has a goal in mind. God gives me wisdom. I walk in wisdom. I receive that wisdom because there's a future goal in mind, and that is salvation in Jesus Christ. The Scripture makes us wise to salvation. A wise person has a mental understanding of the Word of God. It has this insight an understanding of, of, of what this word means and how I need to apply it to my life. But a wise person doesn't stop with all that knowledge. A wise person says, regardless of peer pressure, regardless of everybody else having a baby outside of marriage, regardless of everybody else doing this and everybody else doing this and everybody else getting to getting, going through divorce, I will obey the word of God. I will apply what he says. There is no issue that God does not address in his word. There is no issue that God does not tell us how to do it. And how not to do it. Mention one. Marriages are falling apart. 70 plus percent in our country of first, second, and third marriages are falling apart. You know, for no other reason but having the knowledge and maybe even the situational insight, but not the willingness, not the guts to apply my knowledge in that marriage situation. Oh, when a person says to me, you know what, I want to go through divorce. I'm saying, no, let's go to the Bible and tell me God hates it, fix it. I have no choice but to apply what God says. You see, Paul writes and he says, uh, and the, the scripture says this, and, and he says, the scripture, that, uh, the scripture imparts to you something that will help you walk on this narrow road of faith and obedience that leads 
to salvation. Many people don't finish this road. Many people start on this road. Because for many people, it's like a funnel. And they think it's, it, it's just, oh man, I can do whatever I want. And, and, and all my rubbish that I put into grace and under grace is going to eventually pop me into heaven. I think the funnel is upside down when it comes to the things of God. If I've got to press onto this narrow spot, this narrow road, and force myself through this and discipline myself and work on issues and walk this narrow and put aside and, and put off and, and, and all the kind of stuff God expects me so that in eternity the spot is, op- is, is opening up and that is when all things are good. You know, Proverbs chapter 13, 3 verse 13 says, Happiness. Happy is the one who finds wisdom. What is wisdom? Knowledge, insight, application of the word of God. Happy is the one who finds wisdom. A person who is is, is wise is normally much happier than a person that's unwise. You can see it on their faces. Biblical wisdom is not a dead-end street. It's not a cul-de-sac of misery. It is a path to deep and lasting happiness. But a lot of it we receive on the other side of the grave. That's what I'm pressing on towards as well. Proverbs chapter 19 verse 8 says, He who gets wisdom loves himself. Now some people don't have a problem in that area because they don't understand that scripture. It doesn't mean all, if you find wisdom you will love yourself. Uh, uh, you know, it, it actually means you will have a happy future. You'll have a happy future. A future that will last forever. Proverbs 19 I've just read that as well. So, so don't think you've, you, you, when you find wisdom, you'll find yourself lovely. You know, maybe it, even if it is true, but you will embrace a future glory. Proverbs chapter 8 verse 32 to 36 sums it up. And here's wisdom speaking. It's like, listen to what wisdom tells us. Wisdom says this, and now, O sons, listen to me. This is wisdom. He says, blessed are those who keep my ways. Wisdom. Blessed are the ones who listen to me. Watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. For whoever finds me, wisdom, finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. If you find wisdom, you find life and favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself. How many scars have you and I got? Because we have failed to find wisdom. We've injured ourselves. The Bible says in Proverbs 16, verse 16, wisdom is better than gold. It doesn't say wisdom is like gold. It said it is better than gold. You see, I know that most of us know that you can buy almost anything with gold, especially if you have a lot of gold. But that does not buy everlasting joy and everlasting life. Money can buy a lot of earthly possessions and and can bring some pleasures into your life. But it's also turned a lot of people into idiots. So let let me answer two more questions maybe. Is where do I find wisdom? First place where I find wisdom is in the world. You think I spell it wrong or pronounce it wrong? No, I mean wisdom can be found in the world of God. Proverbs 6 verse 6 says what? Go to the end, you sluggard. Let me read it for you. Go to the end, consider his ways and be wise. So if you look at some of the worldly things, the stuff God has put in around us, we can learn a lot from that as well. Another place where we find wisdom is from men of God. 
You know, listen to Paul. He's writing to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10 to 15. And he writes to him and he says, hey, Timothy, my buddy. He says, I'm, 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 I can be your father. I just want to tell you something. And I'm paraphrasing. It's the Lord's version. He says, you are ever know all about my teaching, my life, my way of life, my purpose, my faith, my patience, my love, my endurance, my persecutions, my sufferings. All the stuff that I have suffered as a believer as well. But as for you, he says, Timothy, listen to me. Continue in what you've learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you've learned it. What is, Timothy, what is Paul saying to Timothy? Timothy, you've learned from a wise old man, not me, him, Paul. You've learned from him. You've watched him. You've followed him. Now I'm going to go one of these days. You, Timothy, continue to do what you've learned from a wise man of God. My dear friends, there's a lot of rubbish when it comes to church stuff and Bible interpretation and sermons on the market today. There's a lot of rubbish. Please learn from wise people, wise men of God, wise unto salvation, the Bible says. Biblical wisdom is going somewhere, it's positive, and it's a means to an end. But if you listen to fools telling you what the Bible says and not wise men of God, it will lead to your spiritual destruction. And I've seen many people fall away because they're, oh, they believe there's new revelation. There ain't no new revelations. I'm sorry to say to you, there's only, as we've learned many years ago uh, when I studied theology, and only an illumination of the revelation. In other words, wow, it's not a new revelation, it's just the lights have gone on. <laughs> Is this what God is saying? Yeah, I love that's what he's saying. Oh, okay. So now it's, like, oh, I find a new revelation of God. No, 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 you've just understood what God actually meant a long time ago. All right? So we learn from wise men of God. We also learn from wise people. I listen to some of us listening to counsel, and I think, ah, listen to wisdom. Proverbs chapter 13, 20, walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffer harm. In plain English, it says here, if you, unless, if you walk, unless you are walking with the living and walking with the wise, you'll perish with the fools. That's true. Walk with wise teachers. Walk with wise people. Not people who will tell you what you want to hear. People who tell you what you need to hear. All right? The next thing is, obviously I was going to mention it. Wisdom is found in the Word of God. If I want wisdom, I've got, to, I've got to go to this book. This is the book under my iPad here. That is the book. That's the manual. That's the instruction manual. That is life in there. That's not just letter. That's the letter from God to me. Telling me how to live and how to get there. If I deviate from that and make it my, my own stuff, my own ideas, my own this, my own, I'm not going to get there. True wisdom is the testimony of the Lord himself. Psalm 19 verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. It is the only reliable source. Whatever I read elsewhere, I take back to this source and check it with this manual. In 1 Corinthians 2, 7, now we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory. There's a lot of things, like I said, about God's, God's stuff that is mysterious. I don't fully understand it. Wisdom cannot fail. It's not crossing my fingers and hope that I'll, I'm going to make a success. If I, if I apply this, I will get through this life okay into eternal life. A few more things and then I'm going to end. Is wisdom is a person who walks in the light of eternity. Not today, not Christmas, 
eternity. That's a wise person. Wisdom is a person, Psalm 90 verse 12, that reference there is wrong, I think. Psalm 19 verse, not 19, 90 verse 12 says, teach us to number our days that we may get wisdom. Listen to me, friend. This is what it says. It says, listen, you've got you've to number your, you've got to live every day like it could be your last day. So give, it, give, give God your best. Give God your best obedience and your best love. Enjoy what God is, but don't forget him. All right? Now, I want, I want to share something with you which may sound, sound a bit harsh, but li- let me put it to you in these words. Live with the sweetness of heaven and the stench, stench of hell in your nostrils daily. Let me repeat it. Live with the sweetness of heaven and the stench of hell in your nostrils daily. And I'm looking forward to eternity. I'm looking forward to the presence of God. But there's something in me that says, God, I don't want to miss this. And I'm just honest with you. And I know it's by grace. And I know I have assurance of salvation. But in me, I, I don't want to. I live with, a, in a sense, that awareness. Is if I mess this up and walk away from God and His grace, hell is waiting. It's a reality. Last thing I want to say, and I close with this this morning. In order to get wisdom, you must become a fool. <laughs> It's like a contradiction. Eh? It is a contradiction. But the Bible tells me that. It's not Rulof's point. It's the Bible that tells me. You know, you know, Paul was willing to be a fool for Christ. In Acts chapter 26, 24, it says this. Paul is now defending. He's on his defense. And Festus, and Festus is the guy who Paul is in front of him. And he is, so, he is so wrought up with Paul. And he says, Paul, listen to what he says verbatim. You are insane. Cuckoo. You are insane. Your great learning is driving you, driving you to madness. You know, with Paul, you are a fool doing this, believing this, willing to suffer for all of this. Just let it go. 1 Corinthians 3, 18, let no one deceive himself. If any of you is th- thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool, that he may become wise. Here's the key to wisdom, become a fool. In other words, again, Simply what it means, this book is the truth. If it contradicts your thinking, that's wrong, not this. And I'll highlight one or two things at the end here. Because I'm telling you, the wisdom of God is sometimes foolishness in the eyes of the unbeliever. In 1 Corinthians 1, 17 to 27, I'm not going to read the whole passage. You can read it at home. Christ crucified is God's power and wisdom. The message of the cross is foolishness to the perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. It is the message of Christ. The cross, on the cross, and then off the cross, and then resurrected. And now sitting at the right hand of God, that saves me. It's a foolish story to the world it says for it is written i will destroy the wisdom of the wise and intelligent of the intelligent i will frustrate my friend i'm asking you don't be a cowardly conformist our believers have become conformist ah but you know science says this oh <laughs> the word says that no 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 look but, but the bible is not a scientific book no it is the Bible tells me ori- the origins of all things, the purpose of all things, the end of all things. 
The Bible is historically correct. It's not just, whoops, you know, uh, ach, you know what? God didn't know what he was saying when he says in seven days I created the heavens and the earth. And, and later he actually repeated exactly the same words. You know, is God lying or deceiving us? Does he want me to believe that seven is not really seven and years are not really years and days are not really days? Is God trying to mess with my mind? Because scientists are wrong. My dear friend, let me tell you this. Is a wise person doesn't conform to the world, but conforms to the word of God. It says it. It repeats us. I want you to celebrate because I cre- God says that I created the heavens and the earth in six days. And on the seventh, I rested. Seven million, seven thousand, or seven days. Seven days. 24 hours. Yum. 24 hours. Now let me tell you about Darwin. Listen, my dear friend, I believe the greatest scientist that ever lived and has lived and will always live. I believe him over a Darwin or even a watered-down theory of Darwin. And that's going on the news. That's what I believe. And God says it, it is true. So I tell the science, oh, but scientists, no, oh, my God, my scientist, my scientist says this. You know, when it comes to gender issues, my dear friend, you know what my scientist says? I, him, created male and female. Not 32, not 62, not 112. Male and female. Act like one, act like the other. If you're that one, you act like that one. If you're that one, you act like that one. That's how I created. Nothing in between. Male and that's what my scientist says. Oh, but you know what, you don't, you know, I do know, this is what the book says. And I say with all the love of God in my heart to you today, if you're confused, just go to the book, go to the manual. Go to the manual. God doesn't, yeah. There's other issues that are disputed today, and Christians keep on moving towards the worldly standards. We conform to the world instead of just saying, I'm sorry, now I'm going to look like a fool, but I believe in seven days God did it. That's what he says. I believe God was male and female. That's what he says. I believe that what the word of... You see, biblical definition of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And that's where it begins. That's where it ends. God is the source. The earthly wisdom is really not wisdom. And God says it himself. The wisdom of the world is folly with God. Folly with God. True wisdom is found in obedience to God, fearing him and his word. That's where true wisdom is found, fearing him and his word. True wisdom is found in not only fearing him, listening to his word, but doing his word. That's true wisdom. 